Welcome, welcome. My name is Ricky. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, you know what? If somebody does have some pretty amazing sweater, maybe there will be a prize. I don't know. I'll take you out for lunch or something like that. But um, <clears throat> we've been going through the book of Philippians, uh, and we're getting close to the end. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open that up to the book of Philippians. So it's, you know, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. If you get to Colossians or Timothy or anything like that, you've gone a little too far. So as you're turning there, we're going to play a little bit uh, of a game. And you, maybe you've played something like this, but it's, it's kind of like this zoom-in game. And so <clears throat> we'll show you a picture, and it'll be zoomed in on something, and your job is to try to figure it out. And, and you know, and, and really look at it, try to look at all the details, and then we'll, it'll show you a next picture, and it'll be zoomed out a little bit, give you some more details. Again, you're trying to figure it out. And then at the end, you know, we'll say, hey, this is what you've been looking at. You know, this is what, you're, what it is. So, all right, so first picture... Is this, all right? So, like, take a look at it. Be trying to figure out, hey, what is that? All right? Okay. Try to look at some of the details. Try to be like, okay, hey, can I get the bigger picture from that? What that might be? All right? All right. Kind of get some guesses maybe in your mind. All right. Go ahead and, zo- you know, next picture. All right. All right. A little bit farther out. I think, I think you know, how many of you, you know, don't, don't yell it out because there's that one person, you know, they're like, man, don't anybody say it. I want to see if I'm right. Um, you know, so how many of you think like, hey, I think I got it. All right. All right. Good stuff. Okay. All right. Next picture. All right. All right. It was apples. Did anybody guess apples? Okay. All right. I know some of you are like, wait a minute. Hmm. I'm not sure about that. All right. Well, let's try one more. All right. One more. All right. There we go. Again, get, get some detail there. A little bit. Okay. All right. Next picture. Let's see if you could get it from that. A little bit more. How many of you think you got it on this one? All right. A couple of you. Okay. All right. There'll be one more. All right. All right. Now. All right. Now, how many of you think you got it? Okay. All right. All right. Keep looking. All right. Go ahead. We'll see what it was. Oh, man. It was the Imperial Lord of Darkness, Darth Vader. Man. Now, I know something. You know, you guys are thinking, now, wait a minute, Ricky. You, you tricked us. And that's why, you know, you just switched it at the end. But the reason that you couldn't see the apples and the reason that you couldn't see Darth Vader is because you were looking at the wrong thing to begin with. You were focused on the wrong thing to begin with. Your perspective is off, so you couldn't see what you need to see. Now, most of us, if not all of us, I think we struggle in life to have the right perspective. All of us probably have the, the, this struggle to be focusing on the wrong things in our lives. And our minds and our hearts are centered on the wrong things. And so we worry. We have stress. We have anxiety. We, we, we complain about lots of things. And we have these, this, these broken relationships because we're just focused on the wrong thing. But what if you and I, what if we could change our focus and have the right perspectives so that we can experience Unity, joy, and peace. What would we need to be focusing on to have those things in our life? And so again, we'll be looking at Philippians 4. We'll pick up there in verse 2. All right, verse 2. I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syndiki, and let's just face it, when she's reading, we're like, how is she going to pronounce that? Um, To agree in the Lord. Yes, 
Um, I ask also, you also, true companion, we don't know who that is, um, you know, but somebody to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. <clears throat> and so Paul is beginning to close this letter that he's sent to the Philippians. He's, he's talked about how excited he is about their partnership in the gospel. He is, um, and, and just, hey, that, that the advancement of the gospel to make Jesus known to, to the world, to the people around you, man, that, that needs to happen at all costs so that the world can know Jesus Christ. He's also given them um, this encouragement about, hey, for you to know Christ, it isn't about how good you are. It isn't about your religious resume or how many times you go to church or what you, you know, you being a good person, none of that. None of that makes us righteous with God. It's totally because of what Jesus has done for us. Last week, Mo talked to us about, hey, if you've trusted in Christ, you are done in the fact that you have been saved by grace, but you're not done in your relationship with him and him continuing to make you more and more like Christ. And then uh, at, at the beginning of, of chapter 4, he kind of wraps what he's been talking up and he just says, hey, stand firm. Stand firm in the Lord. Be, be solidified in who you are in Christ. Be solidified in your purpose for him. And then he kind of takes this weird, weird turn here in verse 2, and he starts talking about these two women, Yodia and Syndike, and it, and it seems like that they're having some sort of conflict, that they're fighting about something. And, and Paul doesn't really say what it is that they're fighting about. Um, I mean, it's probably not some big kind of doctrinal theological argument where, where oh gosh, somebody's maybe teaching something false. Um, you know, it doesn't really seem to be that because, you know, Paul tends to correct the things that are being taught falsely. I mean, in Galatians, they're, they're, people are preaching a false gospel, and he corrects that. But here he doesn't, he doesn't address that. So it's probably something more of just like these two ladies are fighting about. Maybe it's some sort of gossip that's going on between them, some sort of rivalry, um, some sort of preferences, um, whatever it is, they're fighting about this. And, uh, and it's become a big enough issue that Paul, I mean, again, Paul's in prison, probably in Rome, so he's hundreds of miles away. And then this is a big enough argument that these ladies are having that he's hearing about it back there and then is now going to write to them about this. And now remember the context. Paul is writing this letter in prison, and then he gives it to somebody, and then that person takes it to Philippi, and then the church would gather, and then somebody would get up and be like, hey, this is this letter from Paul, the guy who planted this church and everything. And so they would start to read this letter. And, you know, you know, the person gets through chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. You know, somebody's like, golly, this is starting to take a while. I mean, I'm getting hungry. We're, I mean, I'm ready to go get some Popeyes, whatever it is. You know, somebody over there is getting sleepy. And then all of a sudden, Paul just says, hey, these two ladies, you know, hey, Julie and Christy, you're fighting. Stop it. I mean, when, I mean he's dropping names. Everybody's hearing this in the middle of, 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 of him reading this letter. I mean, can you, I mean, everybody, I mean, when he reads this, hey, Yodi and Syndike agree in the Lord. I mean, at this moment, everybody just looks at them. You know, I mean, I mean, there's, there, there's Mercedes over, you know, if she's in here, she'd be like, mm-hmm. They need to solve that. Alex is like, mm, that's good. Just like he always says, right? That, that, that's what's going on when, when, when they read this letter. I mean, Paul is calling these ladies out by name. Stop the drama. Stop arguing. Stop being divided. 
But I want you to notice, what does Paul draw their attention to? He doesn't just say, hey, stop fighting. Be done with it. He draws their attention to this fact, hey, you labored, side, you labored by my side in the gospel. Hey, ladies, don't you remember? Guys, you're, you're really a team. You're, you're sisters in Christ. You have, you have labored side by side to share Jesus Christ with others. That, that's, don't, don't you remember that? That's really who you are. And then he goes on to say, he says, hey, and your names are written in the book of life. When we read about that in Revelation, the, the book of life is, hey, everybody who's trusted in Christ throughout time, everybody that, that, will, that knows him that's covered by the blood of, of Christ, who will spend eternity with, with God forever in heaven because of what Jesus has done for them, and they've trusted in Christ, that book of life, your names are in there. And you're fighting, don't you? I mean, remember, this is who you are. Ladies, you have the wrong perspective. You're looking at the wrong thing. You're focused on what are they doing that's wrong. Hey, they don't get it. They need to understand this. You think you're focused on them being the problem. That's not what you should be looking at. That's not what your focus should be. You should be focused on what you have actually unity in. And, and again, Paul doesn't actually say who's right. Hey, ladies, stop fighting. We know, we know Syndicate. She won. Point Syndicate. Right? He doesn't talk about it because that's not the issue. The issue isn't who's right. The issue is not what you disagree about, but what you agree in. And he says, I entreat you, agree in the Lord. Look at, look at him. Don't focus on the wrong thing or how the other person is the problem. You need to be looking at your agreement in Jesus Christ. Be looking at him. He, he's saying that, that, you know, you are both adopted children of God. That's who you are. You agree in the Lord. Don't you know who God is? City Light family, our unity is not based off of how we dress, how we vote, how much money we make, how our kids act, what kind of job you have. None of those things. None of, the, none of those things hold a candle to our unity in Jesus Christ. That's, he is our unity that we're all saved by, from our sin by Jesus Christ. I mean, think about that. What unifies us is that we are all saved by grace. Not because we're awesome. Not because we're right. Not because of any of these things. We know more Bible, any of those things. It is just totally in Jesus. He is the basis of our unity. And Paul's saying, agree in the Lord. You don't have to agree about everything. Paul doesn't say that, hey, you have to agree about your political statute, you know, who you're voting for and what you think, you know, this, this political person should do and what that political person should do. Or, or, hey, you don't have to agree about sports, but agree in the Lord. Agree in him. And, and, and then Paul goes on, he, and this, this is such a big issue that they're fighting that, that Paul kind of bring, brings in a mediator. Again, we, we don't know who, who it is, but he says, hey, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. They're not figuring it out. They're not getting it done. He brings in a mediator to help them. And sometimes in, in our relationships with others, we, we need somebody. We, we need a mediator to help us out. But I think we, we don't ask somebody else to help us, maybe in our marriage, maybe in our relationship with, with someone else, with someone in our city group, with with our kids, whatever it is, we don't ask other people to help us in our relational problems 
Because one, we think, well, I'll just figure it out. And we, we tend to have a lot of pride. And it goes something like this. Well, if I told them what was going on, then they're going to know that I have problems in my life. Man, if I tell them, who are they going to tell? Man, if I, maybe even if I tell them, man, will I actually be corrected in this? I don't even know if I want that. Listen, we all got problems. Don't, don't let the fear of somebody else knowing your problems stop you from pursuing healthy relationships with others. We all have junk in our lives. Don't ever think that everybody else has it all together. Nobody's life is as good as you think it is. Don't let pride or, or fear or being embarrassed stop you from doing that. Church, church family, what I, what I really want to see for us, I want us to be the kind of family that doesn't hide our problems, that doesn't hide our struggles, that doesn't hide our sin. And I get it. It can feel embarrassing. It can feel, man, what are they going to think of me? And all of those things. But again, we're not here to put on a happy face. We're not here to just polish our behavior. We're here to know Jesus. And if we continue to hide all of our sin, our shame, our struggles, and not bring it to the light of Christ, we're going to stay down there. I want us to be the kind of family that just says, let's talk about it. Because why? I'm here for you. I'm here with you in the midst of this stuff. And hey, this might be a moment of weakness for you, and I could help you alongside of that. And guess what? Next time, it'll probably be my turn. So I'm just here. I want us to be that kind of family. James 5.17 says this. It says that confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. It doesn't say, hey, just keep it bottled up. Sort it out yourself and it'll get better. It doesn't say that. It says confess your sin and pray that you might be healed. It's getting a mediator, someone to talk, um, you know, to talk to about these things might be a really good next step. I mean, that unity is worth it. And so... Is there anybody in your life right now that you kind of need to reconcile with? I get it. Maybe they did something really wrong to you. And, and, and it was wrong. It was bad. But is there anybody in your life that you need to reconcile with that you need to forgive? And you forgive them not because of how sorry they are. You forgive them not because, you know, they corrected the behavior. You forgive them because Christ forgave you freely. And you can extend that to them. And again, just know the basis of our unity is not us agreeing on everything or them knowing how wrong they are. The basis of our unity is in Jesus. And then when, I mean, think when, when we as, as followers of Jesus, when we're unified, that, that's such an amazing witness to the world. But I mean, how many people are you like, man, I don't know if I want to go to church. Well, why is that? Well, because they're always fighting, always arguing with one another. And I just think, yeah, I get sick of it too. Who would want to be a part of that? We, we lose our witness when we're just not having our perspective on Christ, focusing on him. He's our unity. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Notice Paul, he doesn't say, hey, rejoice when your circumstances are good. Hey, rejoice when you feel like it. But he just says, you know, rejoice always. Now, let's admit, when we, when we read that, I think, yeah, that's really hard to do. It is really hard to rejoice all the time. 
Because sometimes it's just like, man, my circumstances do stink. Life is hard. Things going on, it's just, gosh, this is, this is crazy. And it, it is a lot easier when our circumstances are great. But remember where Paul is writing this from. Again, Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And many times throughout the letter, he's saying that he can rejoice in the Lord, not because of his circumstances. He's writing from jail. He's not sitting on some beach somewhere sipping a snow cone. I mean, he, he's in jail and he's like, hey, you know, I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I want you to rejoice in the Lord. But I want you to notice he doesn't, actually, it's actually a good thing that he says, don't rejoice in your circumstances. I kind of actually like that because in that, I feel like Paul is, is giving us freedom to say, hey, you don't have to like your circumstances. I'm not asking you to rejoice in those. You know what? Those probably really do stink at times. That's okay. That's okay for you to grieve about that, for you to be frustrated, for you to be sad, for you to cry. But, he's, but he, notice what he does say. He doesn't just say rejoice always. He says rejoice in the Lord. Now, now, hey, you don't have to rejoice in your circumstances. I get it. Those are tough. That's real stuff, real life. I want you to rejoice. I want your focus, your perspective to not be on that. I want it to be on Jesus because Jesus is bigger than your circumstances. Jesus is bigger than your life. I want you to focus on, the, on, the, on him. Those, those bad circumstances, they don't have to rule your life and rob you of joy. And the spirit, he's been speaking through Paul again. He said this um, in chapter, you know, for us to rejoice, he's already said that in chapter 2, verse 18, and, and chapter 3, verse 1. He doesn't want us to miss this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Jesus is the source of your joy. And, and for all of us in all of our lives, we're going to put our focus and we're going to be centered on something or someone in our lives for the source of our joy. And Paul's saying, hey, you could, you could choose to focus it on, on life and, and all of those things. Or we can choose to have the perspective of, hey, we're going to be looking at Christ, looking at, at who he is, who he has made us and that he is with us. I mean, he says, the Lord is near. Life may be falling around around you and be, feels like it's just falling apart. But know that Jesus is close to you. He's near. He's with you in this. Yeah, he may not make everything the way that you want it to be, and that can be tough, but just know that Christ is with you. Know who he's made you, that you're, you're a child of God. He's adopted you. And as, as we rejoice in the Lord, then our gentleness will be evident to all. And we can have that kind of gentleness because, hey, my peace, my joy isn't based off of what somebody, how somebody treated me today. It isn't based off of all of my circumstances. And I could be humble to somebody else even if they disagree with me, even if they don't like me, even if they're a pain in the neck, all of those things. I can still be gentle and humble and reasonable to you because, hey, guess what? My joy, my strength is not in this. It's in Christ. And I think sometimes we get, we get angry because, hey, what about the culture? And, and they don't agree with us on this and that. And, you know, and we get frustrated. Still be, still be humble in that. Just be, be humble in that. Like, okay, hey, it's okay that we disagree. But I can love you. I can have a conversation with you. I can actually have a conversation with you about something else, too. Hey, let your reasonableness be known to everyone and then people will see that. They'll, they'll, they'll see more and more of Christ in you rather than just somebody that's grumpy and combative. 
So we see this, this, this call for Paul um, to tell us to be like, hey, if you want this Christ-centered unity, if you want this Christ-centered joy, be looking to Jesus. And, and then we'll continue to see what he calls us to in a Christ-centered peace. Verse, verse 6. He says, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, you can't even totally get it, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so, um, second point is this, Christ-centered peace. Christ-centered peace. And so it's talking about anxiety here. And just, just a note before we kind of get going, just to make sure, hey, if you have clinical anxiety or depression or something like that, um, you know, I just want to say I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sure that that is a very real, legit struggle in your life. And, and uh, you know, as we read this, I, I don't want you to think that, man, the scripture here is just t- telling you like, hey, because, um, because of that, you're just in sin and it's just all your problem. Or, hey, you shouldn't be taking medication or anything like that. You're wrong. Don't be hearing that. The, the anxiety here that it's talking about is just kind of like everyday stress, everyday life that we all experience. That's common to us. And so... So the Greek word here that's translated um, as anxious in verse 6 is, is to be pulled in different directions. You know, when uh, there's Mary and Martha, and, and, and Jesus says, Martha, you're, you're distracted by many things. They're, they're pu- you're being pulled in all these different directions. That, that's, that's what it's talking about here. Or even just w- the old English r- root here, is it the f- word for worry just means to, um, means to be strangled. Just feels like, man, all of these things in my life is just kind of choking me out. And there's a lot in life, I think, for all of us to feel pretty anxious about. Causes us to to be pulled in different directions and just feels like we're getting the life just squeezed out of us. I mean, maybe we feel, maybe you feel anxious because you're like, man, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Hey, what about, what about my house? What about this? What, what? What is this going to happen? What am I going to find? What, 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 what am I, I don't know what, I, what, what kind of career I want to have. I don't know what next job I want to have. I don't know who I want to marry. I don't know if we're going to have kids. Man, we have kids. What are they going to turn out to be like? What, what if? We get worried about a lot of what if things. What if I don't make enough sales? What if my kids turn out really crazy and socially awkward like me? You know, nobody wants to be their friend. Or, man, what if my kids, and they're really popular, and everybody wants to be their friend, and, and, and they're just going to all these parties and all these things and just turn away from Christ? What if they don't make good grades? What if I don't have enough money? What if this relationship doesn't work out the way that I want it to? Man, I thought we were going to get married. What, what if that doesn't happen? You know, I, I ask these kinds of questions in my life, and I'll just say they rob me of peace. Hey, what if, what if nobody shows up? To city light, man, what if, what if we don't grow? What if, what, if, what if people just start leaving because it's just like, man, Ricky, your preaching isn't that good? Whatever. Or man, what if people do start showing up and then it's like, I don't know what to do? <laughs> just what if I say the wrong thing? What if I give the wrong advice? What if I'm not enough? You know, we could just feel this, this pressure of life. We, we think I have to figure it out. I have to make it happen. I have to do the right thing. I have to say the right thing. I have to parent the right way. I have to preach the right way. I have to spend my money the right way. I have to make the right decision. I have to be the right kind of spouse. I have to be the right kind of person to get a spouse. And on and on and on. I have to get it done. I have to get it done. There's so much on me. And I get it. All of those things we experience. And we, we can't just ignore life. 
When you feel just all that, that stress, all that pressure, all that anxiety, what do you run to? What is it that you're seeking to be like, hey, I feel like I'm being pulled all over the place. I need some peace. What is it that you go look, look to to find that peace? Is it, man, you know what, I'll just, I'll just kind of, I just need to grab some beers. Hey, I, I just, you know what, I just need to like watch a bunch of Netflix. Hey, I, you know what, I just need to be more informed on all this topic. I just need to research. And that will give me the kind of peace that I want to. We're all going to run to something. And I get it, sometimes you do just need to like, hey, I just need to take a break and just not think about it. But what the text says is be anxious about nothing. Not some things, but be anxious about nothing. But it, then it says be anxious about nothing, but in everything go to God in prayer. In everything go to God in prayer. Hey, Hey, Netflix has its place, and that's fine, but go to God. He's the ultimate source of peace, not you taking a break. Hey, that vacation may be awesome, and that is maybe just a helpful rhythm of life. That's fantastic, but ultimately, your source of joy and peace is Jesus. Go to him in prayer, and I think many times we're anxious. We, we're, you know, it says be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything, and I think we're anxious about everything, but pray about nothing. You know, and, and I just want to be real with you guys, man, the past couple weeks, I, I have really struggled with this. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, I've lost sleep. Last night, I lost sleep after I was even looking at this message. And it's just like, man, hey, there's some decisions coming up. There's some decisions to be made. And gosh, this is just stressing me out. And I was talking with Chrissy about it this week. And... Um, you know, just like, oh, gosh. And she's like, hey, you know, I don't know if you should just be worried about it. And then she just says, well, well, hey, every time that you feel that, you know, that you start to worry about it or get, get anxiety, just go pray about it. And I'm thinking, huh, I'm the one that's actually preparing on for this message, not you. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, she's not even reading it. You know, I mean, I mean she's reading the Bible, but just not here. And, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Right, we so easily, and the reason that I'm not doing that is because my perspective, my focus is off. All I'm looking at too is I have to figure this out. I have to do this. This right decision has to be made. I'm not looking to Jesus as the source of my peace. And we so easily forget where we actually go to find peace. We forget how good God is. In Matthew 6, Jesus, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching, and he says it three times in chapter 6, uh, verses 25 through 34. He says it three times. Don't be anxious about anything. Again, it's very similar to what Paul is saying here. Don't be anxious about anything. And Jesus goes on to say, hey, I provide for the birds. I'm going to provide for you. And Jesus just reassures us, hey, don't, like, don't you know who I am? I will provide for you. Hey, don't you know that I know your needs actually better than you do? And then in the, in the next chapter, in uh, chapter 7, Jesus continues to teach, and he says, hey, which of you, this is uh, 7, 7 through 11 in Matthew, which of you, if your son asks for bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? Right? Like, if, if your kid is asking you, hey, can I have something to eat, would you just be like, well, here's a rock. Eat that. Right? You'd be like, that's weird. And Jesus says, of course that's super weird. But if you, 
If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to those who, to, to your children, if you know how to do that, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? If you know how to treat your kids pretty well, man, how much better does God know how to treat his kids? And it's just something I remind myself. I mean, there's even this passage, you know, in, in Luke where Jesus says, hey, you know what? You could just come to me. You know, like there's this lady and she bugs this, this judge and she just keeps bugging him, bugging him. But eventually he gives in. And Jesus is saying, hey, you could just come and bug me whenever you want. I'm your dad. We don't serve some reluctant God that's just holding out on us. I mean, I think sometimes when we come to God in prayer, we just think like, man, I have to, I have to like kind of butter you up, God. I need to kind of talk you into this. Man, can you please care about me? And I get it. We can feel that way. But in the end, remember who God is. Man, I need to be looking at not some false version of Jesus. I need to be looking at really how has God revealed himself to us. Man, I, I am here with you. I'm not some reluctant heavenly father. Come to me in prayer. And when, when we just have this anxiety and this worry, yeah, it, it's maybe because of our circumstances, but I'd say it's also just because, or even mainly because we're not trusting in God. That's why, why it's ultimately happening, is because, man, we're just not trusting in God, who he is, who he's made us to be. And we forget just who he is, and again, I forget, we, we feel like we have to get these things done and, and make it ha happen. But in your everyday life, if you're just wondering, hey, it, does God really care? Hey, can I really trust God with this? Does he really have any kind of power, any kind of love in him to be around me? I just want you to remember, what is the biggest need that you've ever faced in your life? the need for your sins to be forgiven and paid for. I mean, when I'm thinking of this decision in my life, I'm forgetting, man, Jesus, you came. You came and died for me in my place. Man, and if you're willing to come and pay the price for our sin and our shame and die, be crucified on a cross in our place and experience all of that for us willingly, on your own volition, you chose to do that. If you're really willing to do that, surely you'll be with me today in the pressures of life. You're not going to abandon me suddenly. You're not going to pay the ultimate price on the cross and then forget about me today. Right? My, my joy, my peace is in him. He continues to pursue us with his love, with his presence. And, you know, and if you're struggling today and you're thinking, gosh, yeah, um, but I just don't feel like I'm enough. I just want to tell you, you're not, and neither am I. I'm not the perfect husband. I'm not the perfect pastor. I'm not the perfect father, and God isn't looking to you to be like, hey, if you could just measure up. Man, if I could just have more of your power. That's not what he's expecting you to be enough. He says, actually, I know that you're broken. I know that life, your life is messy. I know that you just, there's things in you, insecurities, whatever they might be. I know that you're messed up. And that's why I came for you, to save you out of things that you can't do for yourself, no matter how hard you try. Stop trying to be enough. I'm enough for you. Just trust in me. 
This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Paul says um, that, that God said to this to him. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In your weakness, my power will be made perfect. My power will be shown in your weakness. Again, I'm not expecting you to be just super strong or anything like that. My power will be with you. Don't be anxious about anything because of Christ. We can go to him. We could depend on him. We could depend on him for our salvation, that, that he makes us right with God. We could depend on him that, hey, my eternity is secure, not because of how many times I get my rear in a seat on a Sunday morning or how much money I put in, 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 you know, in the box or anything like that. My eternity is secure. Why? Because Jesus died and rose again. That's what I'm banking my eternity on. Surely I could bank today on it. He will work in my kid's life. He will work in, in my boss's life or in my life. He will provide. He's in control. And again, notice what Paul says. He doesn't just say like, hey, but in some things, or hey, in the really big things, go bug God and go pray. He says, but in everything, the little things, the everyday things, the things that you maybe don't think that God has time for. All of these things, everyday life things, we go to God. In 1 Peter 5, 7, again, it's just one of my favorite verses, cast all your cares, not some of your cares, but cast all your cares, all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. And as you go to God in prayer, man, this, this peace of God will guard your hearts. It'll, it'll be like this, this army that's garrisoned around a, a, a city, protecting it, fighting, like the peace of God will guard your hearts. It will take care of you. It'll protect you. Peace of God. God will do that. And, and, it, and it's so big, it doesn't even actually totally make sense. Somehow, Paul has peace in the midst of this. Again, the guy that's maybe going to die in prison and actually does get executed. How can he have that peace like that? That doesn't make sense. I know because the peace of God, it just surpasses understanding. It's just so crazy. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even always get it myself, but why? Because God, God, the one who's created everything who is with me, my, my peace is in him. And so we've looked at this, this Christ-centered unity and this Christ-centered peace. And then we'll turn in these, these final verses to a Christ-centered perspective. So that's the third point, Christ-centered perspective. Verse, um, verse 8. So Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence... There's, you know, there's any goodness in it, if there's anything worthy of praise, then think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And when he says, hey, think about these things, he's saying, hey, really concentrate. It's almost this mathematical term of take careful calculation. Really focus in on, on these things. And, and for us to grow to, in, into knowing Christ and to becoming more like Christ... Having the, the, that joy, that peace, that unity that, he, that he's been talking about, that, that's going to happen by renewing our minds. Hey, don't just have peace. You need to change the way you think. The battle for your lives, the battle for your heart, that's going to really start in your mind. What is it that you're thinking about? What is it that you're believing? In, in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. Hey, you know what? Don't be like the, don't be like the rest of the world. Don't, don't be conformed to that. But be transformed, be different, be changed by the renewing of your mind, by believing, by having the right 
perspective, the right focus on God. Set your mind on the things of God. The way that you think about God, yourself, other people, the things in your life, that will affect how you interact with everybody around you. I mean, think about these ladies, Euodia and Syndicate. I mean, what, what if they had been doing these verses, been applying these verses and say, you know what, I can choose to focus on what's wrong with Euodia, but I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to set my mind and concentrate on the ways that God has used her. I'm going to set, I'm gonna, you know, we, we were doing all this ministry together. I'm going to just remember who God is in her life. Hey, I'm actually not going to focus on those things. I'm going to focus that, that she's my sister in Christ. Man, I bet that the next time that she goes and, you know, sees Eodia at Target, that's probably a little different interaction. She's not focused on what's wrong with me. In case you're wondering, Target wasn't around back then. In case some of you are like, well, was he being serious? Um, you know, but it says, fix your mind on, on whatever is true. John, or Jesus in John 14 says, I'm the truth and the life. John 17, he says, sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. And so fix your mind on Jesus and his word. Fix your mind on, on who he is and his word. What is true about God in this situation? What is God thinking right now in this situation that you're facing? What does God say that is true about me in his word? Who am I? Paul goes on, whatever is honorable and just. I mean, this would just be, hey, think about those things that are worthy of respect and that are right, kind of in a, in a moral sense. We cannot expect to, to live Christ-centered lives if we're focused on all these things that are dishonorable and unjust. Then he goes on, hey, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable. You know, when it, when it comes to, to purity, don't, don't, don't fill your minds on trash. I think one of the main ways that we really struggle to fill our minds with purity is, is looking at a screen and, and filling our minds or just thinking about things like that and, and the perversion that it, that's just kind of in our word and, and, and like sexual temptation, pornography, whatever it may be. Paul's like, hey, the more that you think about that, the more that you're not looking to Christ. Your, your mind is being corrupted in a way and not being renewed in the image of Christ. What are you thinking about? Be thinking about those things that are lovely, not repulsive. Be thinking about what, what is good, what is commendable. Yes, that other person has done some wrong things. I get it. But hey, what is commendable in them? And then he says, he finishes by saying, whatever is excellent and worthy of praise. Would we not give our minds to fill lesser things, but fill our minds with, with things that are actually worthy of, of praise? And this is for our joy, our freedom to be in Christ, to renew our minds, all these things. And, and what it says, you know, what Paul says at the end of this, hey, hey, focus your mind on these things. The battle for your heart, the battle for your lives is going to be happening in, in your mind. And if you're renewing these things, are you focused on these things, the things of God? And he says, practice these things. Hey, for us to be really focused and concentrate on the word of God, that's not going to happen one time on a Thursday afternoon. Practice these things. Continue to do them. Hey, for your mind to be, you know, to be renewed, it's going to take time. And that's okay. But just keep looking to God. Keep looking to his word. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep looking to who he's made you. 
And God, God's spirit will continue to shape you and to transform your mind. Practice these things as we keep our focus on him. So have, have that right perspective, that, that Christ-centered peace, a Christ-centered joy in him. You know, and, and Jesus Christ is the God of peace. And Jesus Christ, he came so that we might have peace. And Jesus, he experienced a lot of really unpeaceful things for us so that we might have the peace of God. Jesus said, hey, I know that these people, they're, they're lost with, without a shepherd. The, they're sick and they don't have a doctor. They don't have peace and they can't get it. I'm actually going to experience a lot of unpeace for them. I'm going to die. I'm going to pay for the price that they couldn't pay. I'll be crucified so that they could be saved, so that they can know Christ, so that they can have this relationship with God. And again, that happens not because of anything you do. That happens not because you kind of chip in somehow and you're good also. You are saved and made right with God and have a relationship with him completely because of what Christ has done for you, that he paid the price for your sin and he rose again. And if you, if you don't know Christ, if you don't have a relationship with him, I just say, man, let today be the day that you just say, hey, I want to experience the peace of God. I'm going to trust in Christ so that I, that I can know God, be saved from my sin, and I can have the kind of peace and joy that only really Christ can offer. And may we all center our joy, not on our circumstances, and be stressed out with an anxiety, but may our, our perspective be centered on Christ. Let's pray.